we can't just have a credit line. We need to use the credit line. So people think that, oh, I've got a credit card, but it's been frozen in my freezer for five years. Okay. That's not really helping your score. You're showing that you have credit, but you don't know how to use credit. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips here with Heather Marchant. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. Um, Hey, I think that the last few shows have been really, really good. We got some really cool stuff coming up for you guys. I'm really excited about it. That's all the tease I'm going to give you, but there's some really, really cool stuff. And I think so far outside of the box that many of you will not even know that it exists. How's that for a tease, Heather? You don't even know. That's you all don't I heard. Even know you, don't what you don't know. We're about to lay it on so thick. <laughs> We're about to expand your mind. All right. And that is Bill Sandvig. Bill Sandvig is our guest today. I've known Bill for a couple of years. And yeah, four, four years. Bill is he's co-founder of a company called Clear Mortgage. And he and I, once I found out what he did, he and I decided to work together on I'm doing a lot of loans for a lot of you people out there. So when you see Clear Mortgage, Bill is co-founder of this, and it's a really cool concept he's done. And it so aligns with our core values because we, this is the Get Real podcast. So this is where we tell it like it is here. And I think that's so cool because that is what Clear Mortgage is all about. It's giving visibility to mm-hmm. everybody in the process, right? Mm-hmm. What, you know how the whole cake is baked, so to speak. And so it frees up mortgage brokers to be able to help their clients better. It frees them up to be more of a business owner mindset rather than just an employee kind of mindset. It has worked remarkably well for what we do. Heather and I absolutely love your team. You're just doing wonderful things for us. And I think it's fitting that you have a pink unicorn hat on. Any of you guys who are not watching this on YouTube, Bill is wearing a pink unicorn hat and in the mortgage business anyway, that pretty much is, I mean, that's, that sums it up, Bill. Is that, I mean, that's a pretty decent intro. Yeah, we feel like a unicorn. business for a long time, but this is unique and it's relatively new over the last few years, right? That you started. Yeah, it's a new evolution for sales. I mean, sum it up in five seconds and we're treating all of our team members like business owners, giving full clarity, full transparency and decision-making, right? And so that allows for the team that you work with to be hyper-mobile to make the adjustments at the street level and make the decisions that they need for their business. We don't like ivory tower leadership. We don't want, we don't want someone up here making decisions for very personal relationships, like the personal relationship that you have with that production team and, and RP capital. It's been an exciting and it's expanding and growing. And we are only seeking to become the largest mortgage company dominating the largest financial industry and the largest economy in the world you know so it's really small no big subtle deal. goals yeah so no big yeah so no big deal so, yeah. yeah well that matches you know we're we're only now we don't really want to do all of that <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work bills good for you we'll get behind you on all on all yeah, ron's work averse we're not taking over <laughs> the world i don't want to work that hard bill but good on you man and as far as our little patch of paradise in the mortgage industry we will tend our garden really really well it has really been Those of you who have worked with Clear Mortgage already know it is just different and unique. And, you know, we have some controls because of that visibility that makes it 
just easier to do the loans. And I think what a lot of people don't know, Bill, is that this particular type of loan that we do all the time and that, you know, these investment loans, they're just not the same, you know? And so it's not every mortgage broker created equal, but B, not every mortgage broker even knows what goes into making one of these loans work. Yeah. And so the whole go out there and get the cheapest loan you can possibly get concept just doesn't work very well for this particular, for our industry anyway. Yeah. And our model is allowed for creative things to take place, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. entrepreneurialism going on between your loan officer team is supporting you and your company, and you guys have more powerful insight and access to the entire experience because of that freedom that we've created in our model. And uh, that's why it ends up serving companies like yours so well is because we can get really granular in the decisions that are being made. We are trusting that business owner of that origination team. And that in turn gives you what you need because we're not going to pretend to know what every single relationship needs. So you and I were talking the other day off the cuff and you were like, we were, we were discussing a concept that, you know, I think some people have probably thought about Bill, but maybe, and, and a lot of people probably haven't, but is unique. And I think it, I mean, as Heather and I were talking about it earlier, it's kind of like, there's so many things that people can do if they just knew they could do them. And if they had someone on their team who knew this stuff and knew how to think outside the box, yeah, we're going to talk about one concept today, Heather, I think that that is really cool, but it's one concept. Yeah, I'm super pumped about it because I want to understand. I already just the teaser in uh, explaining what we're going to talk about today. I'm super I'm like ready to take notes. So this is going to affect my life. I'm excited. Okay, everybody. That means Heather's gonna be quiet today. She's told us she's taking notes. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know how well if not she's really going to be talking on YouTube. It's just it's not because she's working. She's literally taking notes. So <laughs> so that's how this is. So Bill, walk us through. We talked about earlier. Heather, I think had one of those moments where she was like, what? And um, yeah, I know I did. that happens occasionally with us. We've been doing this for a long time, but let, let's dive into this. Yeah. So we're going to talk about two major components here, two main topics, if you will. And the first is talking to your children or grandchildren about credit and building credit for your children and grandchildren. And then we're going to talk about what do you do with it? Now that you've established credit for them, what can you accomplish? What can you do? I don't know about you guys, but when I got out of college, okay, I had myself a couple of credit cards because those guys were literally sitting on campus, you know, with those brand new 18, 19 year old kids with no credit history, trying to letting them know that did you know that all you have to do is fill out this simple form and you could qualify for a $2,000 credit card. And all you have to do once we approve you is it'll show up in the mail in a couple of days. And you can go buy whatever you want with it. How does that sound? <laughs> right? And I'm for in, many, send me one in the mail. <laughs> right? So, and for millions of kids uh, across the country, that is the first time that they're ever going to have any education or learning about credit. That'll be the first time. Yep. And I'll start to tell a personal story. My father was in the mortgage business. And when I was 23 years old and I had a $5,000 credit card that I had maxed out, I felt, well, I've only got so much money to go around. I can pay this credit card bill or I can pay my cable bill. If I pay my credit card bill 
and not my cable bill, I will not be able to watch football on Sunday. And so <laughs> I can just go ahead and pay that credit card next month because I'm going to have a little bit of extra cash. I want to make sure I can still watch my TV, right? Mm -hmm. And so I made that choice. Really not having any real clear awareness of the consequences of that choice. Cable, obviously, not reporting on your credit. Your credit card is. And, and so kids end up with maxed out credit cards and missed payments early on because we don't educate them. And uh, so this first part of this conversation is I want to put in your listeners' toolbox how they can build their kids' credit really quickly. And it's not very challenging. It's going to be doing a little subtle twist of what you already do. So your child cannot start to build a credit history until they turn 18. Okay. So none of this can happen until they're 18. But on their 18th birthday, you guys are all out there wondering what you're going to get your kids or your grandkids when they turn 18. I'm going to tell you what you're going to get them. <laughs> you're going to get them two credit cards. Okay. You're going to get them two credit cards. And hopefully if you're in a spot, you're going to get them a car loan. Those are the three things we're going to do. You probably already considered buying a car because if you've uh, got teenagers as a parent, we don't buy cars for our teenage kids. We buy cars for, cars for us so that we don't have to chauffeur them around. That's a freedom purchase for the parent, right? So I want you to not pay cash for that car, even if you have it. You're going to, and if you've already bought a car for your child, you're going to go refinance it. Okay, and you're going to get some cash out and you're going to put them on the loan in the first position and you're going to be the co-borrower. They can't get a loan on their own. They don't have credit history. But when you co-sign, you can start to build credit history when you make those payments. Okay, so it doesn't have to be big. Get a little $4,000 car loan that's got a $150 payment stretched out over four or five years. Okay, and that's going to start to build their credit from the day that they turn 18. Two credit cards. You do not have to be a co-signer on the credit card. I would recommend becoming an authorized user because you're going to want to be micromanaging that senior in high school's habits and you're probably not going to put them in charge of paying their own bills yet. Yeah. But you can, and you can give them that responsibility, right? I, I so have many, a question. I have a question. Yeah, yeah. So if you can't start building credit until they're 18, does it matter if you open a bank account for your child before they're 18. Doesn't matter. Oh my gosh. If we had planned that question, because I was literally just about to talk about debit cards. Okay. Like I, okay. Said, I, I said Heather was going to be quiet. She's not, she's going to ask <laughs> questions and take notes. Uh, so you're <laughs> welcome out there, everybody for that. Cause that was a really good question. Yeah. So great question. So the standard practice is parents get the debit card for the child, right? The teen credit, the teen debit mm -hmm. card, and that can happen earlier. That can happen way earlier than credit establishing can take place. And so that ends up happening earlier for the child. And mm -hmm. then that's working so we don't change course. Okay. So they have to be 18. And doing the, to answer your question, the debit card is not a credit reporting entity. So there's mm -hmm. nothing happening on the debit card that is going to be reporting credit or building credit. So I even thought you, it was how long they had the account open though, like the length of that's time. That's not a credit account. It's a bank account but it's not a credit account. It's it, not a it credit. It does do something pretty important, I think, to Bill's next point, which is it teaches them how to use the card and understand what it means, right? Mm -hmm. That it's it's literally, okay. when you swipe the card, things happen. And mm -hmm. 
and it's important that they understand that. And I think they, I think kids these days have figured out that out really around cool. three years old, though. I think they figured out swipe the card, something happens, probably happening <laughs> right. somewhere. Around I mean, three. the other things that happen, <laughs> not that you get things, but that money comes out of your account, right? <laughs> right. Um, because all of that's really important for when they get the credit card because they've never spent money, budgeted money, done anything like that. And then you give Absolutely. them a credit card, all hell could break loose, literally. Absolutely. Got it. Absolutely. But it's not a credit. Re- there's no bill associated with a debit card. So there's no credit or any responsibility to be a st- All right, just an overdraft, right? <laughs> so 18th birthday, we're going to get them that car loan and we're going to get them two credit cards. And I like to say, we're going to get them a red one and a blue one. Okay. And they can get this credit card on their own. They might need to do a secured credit card, which means that you have to put down $200 cash and then they'll get a $200 credit line. So you're basically pre-funding the credit card. This is a card that people use to rebuild credit. So if Mm -hmm. I have a client who is in a real bad credit profile, what I want to do is I want to create separation between bad credit history and establishing new clean credit. And the way we do that is by opening up a secured card. Some kids will need to open a secured card. Some will actually, just by the nature of the application, get lucky and not have to. Most will. So it's going to be small. A red and blue card, 100 bucks, 150 bucks, 200 buck limit. You're going to send that money in, and your child is now going to get their own credit card. From this point on, it functions exactly like a credit card does. Okay. And they're going to have a $200 limit. And when they swipe the card, a bill is going to be due. And so, what I encourage parents to do is get yourself on as an authorized user so you have access to your account. But it's ideal if only the child's on it. If you have to be a co signer, that's fine. What doing a co-signer would probably do is just give them a larger limit. But mm-hmm. in my opinion, coach the kid here, but monitor. Okay. Don't take the full responsibility off their shoulders because there's also exposure there. Yes. If you do at one point decide that, Hey, you're in charge now and they do miss a payment. You don't want your personal credit hit, right? Because if you have two people on a credit line, mm-hmm. one person misses the payment, both people have the impact. Right, you with me? And and there's a lot of banks out there now. I know Chase does because we bank with Chase that has specific accounts for high school and college where you have visibility and the ability Mm. to be able to get in there and affect change that needs to happen in accounts and that you get alerts before it's negatively impacting. And so the credit cards can come from that institution, meaning you've got visibility into everything. Those are really convenient for what Bill's talking about. And I'm sure. The other larger institutions have the same thing. Maybe some smaller local banks have the same thing too. I don't know, but I know Chase has it because we've used it. Capital One has a great secured credit card product. And so Capital One has a couple different options. And then, but you want to go to two different banks. Typically, you're going to want to go to two different institutions. That's why I call it the red card and the blue card. Got it. So now, what are we going to do? So now they're not going to get denied. You're going to put, if you put down 150 bucks for a secured card, it's going to be guaranteed. They've got no credit history. They're 18 years old in a day. They're going to get approved. That's not a question. They've got no credit history. So even if you're a parent and you have bad credit, you can still do this for your child. You can still mm-hmm. set your child or your grandchild off the right path because you do not need to be on this card. And I encourage you not to be on the card because if something goes wrong and your child is going to be responsible for this when they hit their 20s, early 20s, you do not want your credit hit because they missed a payment. Okay. Despite all our best efforts, sometimes our kids are uncoachable. So we now have three lines of credit. We have a a car and two credit cards. 
The way you coach them to use their credit card is as follows. When you need a tank of gas this week, you're going to swipe the red card. When you need a Mm -hmm. tank of gas next week, you're going to swipe the blue card. We can't just have a credit line. We need to use the credit line. So people think that, oh, I've got a credit card, but it's been frozen in my freezer for five years. Okay. That's not really helping your score. You're showing that you have credit, but you don't know how to use credit. And an 800 credit score is someone that both has credit and shows they know how to use credit. And so using of the cards is actually very important. Here's another rule of thumb. We don't want to ever let the card go past 50% of the available balance. And that's why I love the tank of gas. Okay. I love the tank of gas thing because you're going to swipe it and then literally go and pay it. Instead of pulling the cash out of your pocket, you're just going to swipe the card. Instead of using the debit card, you're going to swipe the credit card. We have very subtle changes to practices that we're already doing out there. The only thing is now we're building credit. One year later, your child, your 19-year-old child, will have a credit score in the high 700s with this habit. One year of on-time car payments and one year of these two credit cards, keeping the balance below 50%, their credit score will be in the high 700s. They will only have a history of perfect credit. That's all they'll have. One of the things is really, really important with this is that you educate your kids that you're swiping it for the gas because you have the money for the gas. Mm-hmm. You're never using the credit card to extend your month because you screwed something up earlier, like the cable bill, as, as Bill was talking about, right? This is, I'm swiping the card purposefully to build credit, but I have the money sitting in my, like I could use the credit yeah. and I could pay it right now if I wanted to, Right you have the money to do this. So we're not deficit spending on the credit card. And it's really, really important that they don't do that because it's the whole 50% thing goes out the window if they do that, right? Because they will get backed up really, really quick. And so it's really, really important to instill that in them that the credit card is not to extend your month. Yeah, great point. And there should be just constant financial education taking place but I do think people tend to stay in the zone of balancing a budget in the cash and debit card perspective, rather than thinking about this credit side. Because the credit side is when you're controlling and managing credit as you move into an adult, it's powerful. I mean, yeah. you can leverage credit, you can leverage debt, you can leverage all these things. And, and that education will come, but it's a totally different ball of wax. Right? I was actually dealing- shocked to your point, Bill. Both, both of my kids did this on their own. And, huh. and of course we did the cars with them, but they went and got the credit cards by themselves. And once we knew they had the credit cards, we were like, okay, here's the rules of the credit cards. Don't do this. Don't do this, but do this. They have better credit score than most people my age have already. Yeah. Because all they have is perfect history. Yep. Right. So if you only have perfect history, you'll only ever have anything around 800 credit score. You know, people just avoid credit because they think credit's bad or their parents have gotten into trouble and they say, oh, I hate credit cards right? Mm. If we manage it well, that's what the credit agencies are looking for. And it's amazing how fast it can happen. If you're a senior in high school, by the time they're headed into their freshman year, can have an over seven, well over 700 credit score. And not only 700, but over 740 and put them in the top tier for all mortgage qualifications, for all car loans, for everything that they might want to do through college and beyond into their young adulthood. And simple stuff that we talked about, right? That's what everyone that's listening, every grandparent, every parent out there, you now know what to get your kids for their 18th birthday. You're going to get them in debt. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Take that, Dave Ramsey. Okay. Right. Oh, there we go. Yep. So, but it, managing debt is an important piece of financial freedom. Well, yeah, it's a skill too. I mean, to be able to teach that self-control and not have someone else teach them, right? So mm-hmm. like the person on the college campus. I remember when I went to college, my dad was in the banking industry. And I remember I was in my, I don't know, early 20s when a friend told me that they had credit card debt. And I literally didn't know what that meant because I thought a credit card, the only option was to pay it in full every month. I didn't know there was any other option. I guess I didn't read the statement well either because it obviously said minimum payment, but I was very perplexed and embarrassed. So I didn't, I remember I didn't ask what it meant. I didn't want to sound ignorant. So I later was like, oh, they don't pay it. (laughs) Like, that's crazy. I never even (laughs) occurred to me. (laughs) Who doesn't pay it? What are you talking about? (laughs) So there's another little nuance that people are surprised about comes to credit score that Having some balance at the end of your month is actually better than having no balance. It's very mm-hmm. strange. So when I'm coaching people that are paying down debt, because available credit to credit used is a very important factor in credit score. If you have $10,000 available and you're used 9,900 of it, then that's a really bad indicator. But better than that would definitely be zero out of 10,000. That would be better. But better than zero out of 10,000 is actually $100 out of 10,000. Because mm-hmm. we're showing the thing about credit reports is they're a snap in time. So, and actually, there's a new algorithm coming out where they're stretching out that snap in time to actually be trends. This is brand new. So, interesting. But there'll be, this will have less impact going forward than it has in the past. In the past, it was always a snap in time. So, if just by chance, you had paid all your credit cards to the zero balance and they were all reporting zero at the exact same time, the credit company would look at it as, oh, this person's never using their credit because it was uh. just a snap in time. Now they just in the last year rolled out trends. And so now someone that has a 50% credit usage is not the same. Someone that had a hundred percent credit usage and then is trending down to 50 is better than someone who was at zero and trending up in their usage. This is brand no, new, deeper no. look. This is really important too, because I didn't know this until probably two years ago. And it was our previous, it had to be more than that then. Maybe it was three years ago or four years ago. But I remember our old mortgage broker who died, who passed away. He told me this. He was like, dude, you got to figure out when your credit cards report. Because Mm -hmm. I had bought, like I bought my Ducati on my credit card because it gives me crazy amounts of points, right? And then I just pay for it. So I did my same rule. I have the cash for it, but I put it on my card. But if I put it on my card and then it reports before I pay it off, mm. my credit score is going to tank. And But I paid it off. And so what I didn't realize is that I was paying them off, but I was paying them off the day after the reporting instead of paying mm-hmm. them off before the reporting. And so I wasn't getting the benefit of that spread that you were talking about. They were reporting all the time full because I use them. I run all of my business debt through credit cards I, or all of my business operating. Yeah. I run that all through credit cards because I get crazy amounts of points for all of this stuff and I travel for free and all kinds of stuff. But that one little thing 
that I didn't realize was killing my credit score. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Why does everybody else have such a high credit score? And he's like, dude, you really doing this just a little tiny bit wrong. And as soon as yeah. I did that, my credit score jumped up to 760, 70, 70, and it kept climbing because it was showing what you were saying. It's, it's available really, credit really usage. Crazy. They've solved that problem a little bit with some of the trending analysis that they just rolled out. But still, yeah. if you're doing the same snapshot over and over, it's not going to show your trends of paying right. it off. It's thinking, oh, 90% use, 90%, 90% use, 90% you're, use. You're maxed out every month. Yep. <laughs> I'm yep. like, no, I'm not. What are you talking yeah. about? So does it matter how much credit you, like if I pay almost the full bill, does it matter how much, a percentage or anything? It does, yeah. So it's a percent factor. And there is a dollar amount as well because the credit agencies are trusting the credit companies that, hey, this guy's got good credit history. So they've increased his balance. We've gone from 5,000 to 10,000 to 15,000. Yes. They keep wanting you to spend more right on their stuff. And so when your credit availability does, goes up, that matters, but the percent is more important. So yeah. a five, someone with $5,000 of available credit or even $500 of available credit and having only 1% usage is more powerful than someone that has just a whole lot of available credit. It all matters. There's, it's a big giant equation that I'll never know and never understand, but there is some order to what's important. And like, for example, being overbalanced, if you're overbalanced in that snapshot, that will crush your score. So mm -hmm. if you have $5,000 available and you're at 5,100 in usage, that will, you're, that will kill your score in a major way, but it can recover fast too. So I'll see client, we'll see clients all the time and I'll say, all I need you to do is I need you to put $4,000 towards these cards. We're going to force a rescore and I'm going to be able to save you a quarter percent on your interest rate. You know, okay. we have those kind of conversations all the time. So Bill, let's move on to the, to kind of this yeah. thing. It's, it's, I mean, people have been doing this. This isn't terribly unique, but I think the way that you're suggesting people do this is unique because yeah. now we've built this foundation what can we do with the foundation now? What can these, yeah. what can these I mean, young So I already gave you a birthday present for your kids and grandkids on their 18th birthday. I'm now going to tell you what you're going to buy them on their 19th birthday. Okay. So we just in a year's time took your doe-eyed high school graduate and turned them into a high 700 credit score. For their 19th birthday, we're going to buy them a four-unit rental property. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to do with their newfound credit. And you think about all the money that we spend as parents and grandparents on housing for our kids and sending them to college or, you know, the gap years or whatever that looks like. We have the power with as little as 3% down on the purchase price to put your child or grandchild into a multi-unit home where they, in, especially in a four-unit will most likely have rent exceeding, significantly exceeding their mortgage payment, even with only 3% down. And now being a landlord of three other units while they live for free, building equity in a property. And there's a couple different ways we can slice this. So 3% down or 3.5% down, and we're going to put your child as the primary residence in this property. Okay, so they're going off to college. You find that four unit for sale, you grab it, and they're going to be the primary resident. They're also going to be on the mortgage. So there's a couple of ways we can shake this down. You can become a co signer, a non occupant co signer on an FHA loan. You know, even if you have marginal credit, you can get 
an FHA loan, right? They lend all the way down into the to 600 scores, even 500 scores. So we can do an FHA loan, first time home buyer uh, product, and we can use the income from the other units to qualify. So that's one way. If your child doesn't have any income history, we can't overcome that problem. The only way we overcome an income problem for your child to qualify for a mortgage is by adding a co-borrower. So you'd have to be in pre- prepared to, to do a co-borrower. Now, I know you're, we know your audience, right? They're looking to buy investment properties, looking to increase portfolios. You could become a co-borrower on a child or grandchild's primary residence at college and also be on title. It's a primary residence and you don't have to come out of pocket with the 25% down that you did for your next purchase. You can come up with 3% down, okay? And now your child is also a part owner and your child is there to be your eyes and ears, you know, if you can trust them for that or if you're close by, right? Yeah, so, so I think that's the caveat, right? Of a kid who isn't going to host the kegger that's going to tear the place up, right? You have to be the other kid. But if they are the other kid, this not only builds their credit and everything, but it also builds experience. One of the things when I got out of the military, I could have done the same thing, Bill, but when I tried to buy the fourplex, they told me the VA wouldn't loan to me because I didn't have any rental experience. And Mm -hmm. this is a way to build the rental experience so they can continue to build wealth And good Lord, those of you out there who are investing in real estate and you drank the Kool-Aid and you understand how powerful this is, imagine if you knew that when you were 19. Imagine Mm -hmm. if you you actually figured this out when you were 19 or 20, just how much wealth you could build before you're even 30. I mean, it's, it's, it's staggering. And most of the people who I've seen do this, Bill, they've done it with 20, 25% down as an investment property and put their kid in it. Instead of doing what you just suggested, which is a far better loan and the rates on it are Oh, you're, you're talking better. astronomically better, especially in today's market, what Fannie's done to non-owner-occupied. It's a primary residence product, which means if you have an FHA loan and a primary residence product, you're looking at sub-three interest rates right now. So you have a multi-unit property at sub-three interest rates. A $500,000 multi-unit property that your child lives in would have a mortgage payment of, I mean, without taxes, take all those variables out of it. You're in a principal interest that's well below 2000, well below 2000 in principal interest to be in one of the units. They're probably going to pay that rent. That's right. right? You got three other units. So even if you turn a thousand dollars on each unit, you're, you're turning a thousand dollar profit and living for free. So let me talk you through. So there's really two main ways this is going to get done. The first way is for you to be a co-borrower. Okay. And that means you're using your income to qualify because maybe your child doesn't have an income history. There is a way to qualify with just your child on it. So if they have a full-time job, so if they graduate from high school and they go directly into a full-time job, they do not have to be making a lot of money to qualify for this loan. A full-time job, the second they start, they now qualify for this mortgage. We can use the second they start, the second they start the full-time job. Even if the income... Like doesn't is not enough to pay the mortgage. What would you say is the worst case scenario for your child that just graduated from high school and is now taking a full time job? What would be the worst case scenario in income? Uh, Nine fifty. Okay, so I'm going to do easy math. Okay, so ten dollars an hour. Okay, and we're do we're working 170 hours a week, so they're only making 1,700 bucks full time job. Okay, this is the key full time job, and I'll talk about part time jobs next. So they're only making $1,700 a month, okay? Yeah. 
we can use the income from the rental properties to qualify for this loan. That's what I was wondering. Okay. okay. So now we have $1,700 plus the income from the other properties. That's a total income now of five grand, close mm. to five grand. Yeah. We talked about the example of a $500,000 loan, 3% down, $15,000, a much better gift for graduation from high school than the uh, lifted truck. Okay. The down payment on your first rental property. And they now have a debt to income ratio of 40%. For that $2,000 mortgage, and they have $5,000 in income. They now qualify for that multi-unit house with a $10 an hour full-time job. Because the second they had the job. Because you're renting to three other units. We are to allowed to use the projected rent oh, for projected. qualifying. That's right. So you don't projected. even have to have leases. Don't even have to have leases. We are allowed to use projected rent from the appraiser in order to qualify for the purchase. Yeah. So literally the second your child has a full-time job, they could qualify on their own. Everything's going to be different. That's one scenario where it works. There could be a scenario where the cost is not matching up with rent, and but RP Capital would never let you, you client out there walk into that situation, right? They're going to make sure you're getting the right return and the right opportunity. I mean, that's a really good segue into the, the whole reason we've just gone through a bunch of stuff, which I think is really educational for everybody. But the reality of the situation is, Heather, we've talked about this over the past several weeks, it's really important to know mortgage planning is different than going and getting a cheap loan from somebody who doesn't know what they're doing and understanding the different ways that you can purchase properties and the different out of the box thinking that you can utilize when you're mortgage planning, not just going and getting a loan. And so, you know, again, everything seems great until you get into the loan process and you realize they can't close the loan, number one. Number two, they don't know what they're talking about. Everything changes and becomes different. And they literally don't have the expertise to even start to think about the things that Bill's talking about here. That's really why we have you know, partnered with these guys to be able to bring you this kind of out-of-the-box thinking and also loans it can just club it seems silly it seems really crazy but i mean we just had one the other day heather from one of these stupid online shops that promises they can do everything for no money and the deal blew up and the client lost their earnest money and round and round we go right so yeah mortgage brokers banks all of the people who are doing loans are not created equal it's really really important i'm glad Bill, that you came on and spent some time with us to not only introduce yourself, but introduce a couple of concepts that are cool and out of the box and really important for you know our kids that want to actually do some of this stuff that they see us doing, right? Yeah, real simple. Yeah. Guys, uh, so Bill, thank you so much for your time. Folks, again, it's really important when you hear this stuff and some of it actually sinks in and you go, yeah, that's really a cool concept. We should probably do that. Well, you, should, you probably should. So we end the show every single week with, you know, now, until next time, get out there and make something happen, right? So get out there and actually do something that you're hearing on here. If it's not this, whatever mm-hmm. it is that you thought was a great idea, actually do it. And so until next time, get out there and make something happen. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.